0: Welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here weekly. No, we are here twice a week working at simplifying things in our lives one day at a time, one simple step at a time. I'm your host, Michelle Visser, and we are currently in season seven of the podcast. We are talking about things that we need in our daily diet and giving some insights to details that we might not know about these important nutrients. We've talked about, let's see, salt, veggies, very specifically sprouts, sugar, um, fats, dehydrated foods, not dehydrated, fermented. Dehydrated foods are great, but that has not been part of the season. (laughs) Fermented foods and kombucha, very specifically, a fermented drink that I am so passionate about. Today, you probably didn't see this one coming. Well, I mean, as soon as you read the title of the episode, you knew, but I don't think most people think that we need to have organ meat in our diet often. But the fact is there's a lot of reasons to consider trying to incorporate some organ into your daily diet. And today I'm going to bring on culinary expert who's going to dive really deep for us into the arguments of why we really should be eating organ meat, but even better, he's giving us some really hands-on, so convenient, simple ways that we can start adding some organs into our daily diet. If that sounds repulsive to you or you think that's just plain weird, stick with me. I think we might make you a convert. Um and also James mentions I'm going to give a plug before we even start something called pluck which is his creation and it's an amazing seasoning that tastes absolutely delicious. I've been using it for probably about a month now and not only does it season your food wonderfully it incorporates organ meat. It is organ meat and seasoning. It puts organ meat into your daily diet seamlessly, effortlessly, and deliciously. So go definitely check that out. If you want to go to um, my site, I will give you more information about how I love to use it and some great thoughts on that. If you go to solelyrested.com slash pluck, that's the name of this seasoning, P-L- U C K solelyrested dot com slash pluck. Okay, before we dive in, this episode is actually brought to you by Positively Tea, my hands down all time favorite tea company has been for close to a decade now, and I thought I would tell you why Loose Leaf. They do sell tea bags. You can go check them out. But why do I always talk about? Loose leaf, mainly because I love making my own blends and I love mixing my different teas and adding different flavors. So you really can't do that if it comes, you know, in a packaged tea bag. But also, it gives breathing room to your tea in a way that a tea bag absolutely just can never do. It allows room for your leaves to unfurl and open up, and the flavor is so much better in my humble opinion, if you're using loose leaf instead of tea bags. Also, if you compost your tea, which if you don't, why not? I highly recommend it. It's so much easier and better for your garden and better for your worms. I'll explain in a minute. If you're using loose leaf tea, you simply dump your tea strainer. I just have a container on my counter that I dump the tea grounds into. And when the container gets full, it's a compost bucket take it out to the compost pile. But if you have bags, you should not toss tea bags into the compost because they all, most of them have a um, staple holding the bag together. That staple is deadly to worms and worms are so important for your compost and your garden. So the last thing you want to do is be putting things in your compost pile. That's literally killing the amazing worms. So if you are using tea bags and you want to compost your tea, definitely cut open that bag and shake out the tea before you compost it. But these teas, the most important thing to me are the fact, even more so than their loose leaf, that they are organic, hugely important to me, and they are absolutely delicious and they're actually affordable. They do not break the bank. Back when I started drinking these, I couldn't have done so if they were the price of regular organic teas. These are beautifully priced for delicious organic tea. So go to solelyrested.com teas, T-E-A-S. And there I list my eight favorites. If you want to know where to get started, there's eight to choose from that I think are the best teas in the world. Solelyrested.com slash T-E-A-S. There's also a discount code. So you know what? Go ahead, hit that pause button right now. Go ahead, I'll be here when you get back. Hit the pause button and go to solelyrested.com slash tease. Last episode, I made this huge mistake because it's so hard to keep it straight in my brain when different pieces of content that I'm creating are being published. And I told you it was the last week to enter for the giveaway to win a copy of my book and to have a lifetime access to one of my courses that you choose, either Maple Syrup University or Kombucha Academy. Um, and I told you how to enter and then I told you to go leave a comment on a video that had not yet been published. (laughs) So we have another week guys, please take a second, go over to my YouTube channel. I will leave a link for it in the show notes as well, but it's just solely rested or search Michelle Visser and subscribe to my channel and leave a comment on any recent video. The most recent one maybe might be about my favorite cup of black tea and how I make the blend. Um, But it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be that video. Just go leave a comment on a video and make sure you're subscribed. And we will announce our giveaway winner in the next episode here on the podcast. All right, James, I'm excited that you're here because this is a topic I know almost nothing about, and I'm really eager to dive in with you to talk more about organ meat today which i know some people might think i'm kind of weird that i want to talk about organs but i do (laughs) (laughs) so um james has 16 years of experience plus in the culinary field and you started as a private chef cooking for the celebrities that kind of fascinates me in fact before we wrap up today I want to get some scoop on that. Okay. Don't let me forget. <laughs> but more recently, James launched this first functional food product called Pluck, P-L-U-C-K. And it's, it's really delicious, James. I got to tell you, I didn't know if I'd like it or not. It's an organ-based oh. seasoning. And it's really the first of its kind. It's an amazing, easy, delicious way for anybody to get some organs in their diet. So today we're going to dive into like the real organ meat stuff. But I wanted to make sure people knew that if they, after we get finished this conversation, are like, forget it, Michelle, I am never going to eat heart and liver. Then there's another option. So, and it's delicious. I sprinkled it last night in my zupa Toscana soup. So good. I put it on my scrambled eggs all the time. It's just a great way to season your food and add nutrition to it. Um, Oh, and James is also a published cookbook author. You've co-authored some books with Margaret Floyd, Eat Naked and the Naked Foods Cookbook. And recently you co-authored the recipes in Dr. Alejandro Junger's book, Clean 7. Did I get all that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for being here.
1: So, Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to... Talk organ meats. I, 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 uh, you mentioned I cooked for all these celebrities, which, uh, that was, a uh, an awesome time in my life, but I actually did not bring the organ meats to them. I, I did focus on making Mm -hmm. whole foods Mm -hmm. and making everything from scratch, but, um, I really, I didn't grow up eating organs. I didn't, I knew about organs. I knew that they were, you know, kind of mother's mother nature's multivitamin, that they're one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't, I didn't get the importance until I had kids. Mm. It was when I had kids that really brought it home for me. I was like, you know what? We, we, you know, we collectively as a, you know, as a nation, as a, in in, in our world, but also just we, as my family unit, we need to get these nutrient-dense foods in our diets. They're very important because we're all nutrient deficient in some way. It, I think it's something like ninety-four percent of the U.S. is nutrient deficient.
0: Wow, but we're I'm not, not calorie surprised, deficient, but still, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a huge number, and mm-hmm. and yet we're not calorie deficient. You know, we are an obese sure. nation, so it's not about that we're not getting enough food, like some countries. It's it's that we're eating too much of foods that don't have you know our void yeah are void in nutrition. So yeah, so. Uh, That became my mission is like, well, how do I get these organ meats into people's diets, Uh, particularly my kids? How do I get them into their diet Mm -hmm. easily Mm -hmm. uh, without a fuss? Because as a parent, we don't need any more fuss fussing in our lives. We don't need picky eating. We don't need any headaches. The worst thing as a chef for me is where you and I talk to so many parents and they go through this as well. It's like where you take the time out of your busy schedule. You 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 spend time cooking and then you're sitting at the dinner table and, and one or more of your kids won't eat it. And you're just sitting there going, feeling defeated and angry. And, yeah. you know, just want to throw your arms up in the air and raise your voice and yell at everyone for not cooperating, you know?
0: But, <laughs> yep, been there for sure. Well, yeah. um, fortunately,
1: you don't have to worry about that with Pluck. And that's that's the beauty of what I created is that I, I went for flavor first. Uh, I think with any health food product it's very important if there's anything I've learned in my 20 years in this business is that you have to hit two points with a health food product when that is it's got to be easy and it's got to be delicious. And then you've got to hit both of those because if you hit both of those, then that health food becomes a lifestyle. There's no hurdles any longer when it's easy and delicious. And I'm very true. And the
0: the first one, the second one is second nature when it comes to real food. In my opinion, real food is always going to taste more delicious. Sometimes your taste buds have to get used to it if all you've eaten yeah. is processed food. Um, but that first one is really hard with real food. And we've talked about that here on the podcast a lot, that it's hard to make real food convenient. It is definitely possible and has a lot to do with your personality and outlook on it as well. But you literally did make real food convenient when you designed this this seasoning. Right. Now, why did you call it Pluck? I've, I've never understood the name.
1: I know it's, it's funny. Um, sometimes I get looks with that one cause people think it, well, does it have poultry in it? Cause we associate pluck with feathers right. and, but I actually, uh, pluck is an old term for organ meats, animal organ meats. Uh, back oh. in the day, I think it was in the twenties and thirties. They, they would say, uh, Hey, do you want your pluck? You know, and they would be referring to your organs, you know, when you were slaughtering animals or whatnot. And, yeah. uh, they, um, uh, it's just a term that kind of lost favor. I mean, really, if you look at the history of organ meats, those have eb- ebbed and flowed, and in our U.S. history, uh, constantly. So, at certain points, they were um, they were favored. It's what our ancestors ate. They were eating very much the whole animal. I mean, even as much as probably our like for me and my age and. My grandparents ate them. My mom even ate them as a kid. But nowadays, if you talk to someone younger, maybe it's a great-grandparent. But um, it's amazing how they have been a part up to a certain point, point. and then nowadays, you y- you can, you know, I can I can tell people, oh hey, this organ meat or this seasoning has organ meats in it, and the faces like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait, have you ever actually tried organs? No, no, oh, I don't want them. And there's just such mm-hmm. this 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 intense emotion about it just no i can't but i think that's so fascinating because if i if i give you a dessert that you've never tried that's brand new to you i promise you there would be no faces people would be like oh okay yeah i'll give that a try
0: especially if it's chocolate
1: right (laughs) (laughs) there's just such this bias uh that we seem to have and and i imagine you know the organ meats, yeah. it goes back, you know, that I, th- I think one of one of my guesses is that when we talk about animal organs meats, we think of our own organs. and So there's a kind of a vulnerability, a mortality that comes up for us when we think of them. Um, I think it's also just unfamiliarity. I mean, you know, when you don't cook them regularly, when you don't see them at the butcher shop regularly, you don't touch them regularly, you, you just, they, they seem foreign. They seem scary, intimidating. Yeah. So pluck for me, it removes any of that because it's now, it doesn't even look like an organ meat. It looks like a typical seasoning. It's got uh freeze dried powdered organ meat. So there's nothing wet, nothing bloody, nothing, nothing weird about that. Um, it's got liver, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas in it. And then it's combined with spices and herbs. So if, if you don't even tell anyone what's in it, they will not know. They, they will think it's just a good seasoning. It's got an umami flavor to it, which is the fifth unique taste. That's the organ meats bring that. But there's so many foods nowadays that have umami in them that I don't think even that would stand out to people that strongly. So
0: yeah.
1: I'm really happy to say that like my kids, for example, they they crave it. They, they ask for it. So to that's me, cool. that's a win, you know, as, cool. as a parent.
0: Now, my father loved getting like whenever we cooked a whole chicken. Mom would always cook whatever came in it, you know, when you dug your hand down in the cavity and whatever that was, and he would eat it all. And he actually liked it. And I do think it's because growing up, they butchered their own animals and it's what he was used to. Um, And I do think today, too, people are coming around. You know, do you see that as well, that people are really understanding? Oh, liver, especially, I see getting very popular and people understanding the value of liver. Um, and they're making their capsules or doing whatever they need to do to try and get that in their diet. Um, but when, like, I do think you're right. You touched on this. I was going to say, when do you think that happened? That live that you know, liver and heart and the kidneys that just became repulsive to people versus you know my dad who's like, oh, don't don't get rid of that. I want to make sure I eat that. You know. Um, but I think a lot of it, like you touched on, has to do with we're no longer connected to our food, and it does make us realize. Like we can eat a steak and it's just a steak and we don't think about it. But when we think, wait, a heart, that's an actual animal. And people just, they're disconnected from that now and they can't wrap their head around and it seems gross to them.
1: I mean, that disconnection goes really deep if you think about it. I mean, uh, Bill Schindler who wrote like a human book. He's a professor of archaeology. He has a great quote. It says, you know, we humans are the only species in the world that... Look to someone else to tell us what to eat. Hmm. Hmm. And if you let that land for a second, think about all the species like we're animals too, right? We're, we're no different than any other species. I mean we're different, but we're created no we're not created differently like we we were all kind of on this earth in a similar manner originally. And what has happened is that clearly we've gotten you know, our food story, we've gotten so disconnected from our own instincts of what to eat. So confused that, I mean, you even find sometimes like there's kids nowadays, that don't even realize that pork is from a pig, Yeah, you know, because they're buying, they're only getting, they don't even know what the whole animal, what part the meat is coming from of the animal, what, what the animal, the whole animal, um, uh, where, where, where the food that they're getting, where it's coming from, they, there's just such a zero connection because even nowadays people don't purchase, for example, the whole chicken. They're purchasing parts of the chicken. Sometimes there's no skin, there's no bones. So if you're someone that's only eating chicken nuggets, for example, a you probably don't even realize what part of the chicken that's from. If it's a, if it's a amount, sure, sure know,
0: McDonald's knows what's part of the chicken. That's yeah, from, right. That's okay. <laughs> it's like
1: it's like it, it could either be like bits and pieces of the breast. It could be bits and pieces of the thigh. It could be bits just a bunch of everything you don't know. Right. And then the other part is you don't even realize, some people probably don't even realize it's coming from a chicken. Like they just think of it as its own thing. Like, oh, nuggets yeah. are its own product. Yeah. And so that disconnect has gotten huge, uh, but there are def- definitely a couple points in history where we lost favor with Oregon. So one was when the railroads uh, were, were in place back in the early, you know, er- early, early, um, 1900s basically so when we centralized where we were slaughtering animals which was kind of in like the chicago area detroit area like the the railroads could only they were basically shipping the meat across the country but they they would have to use refrigerator carts right but but the organs need to be kept colder than the meat the muscle meat does oh i didn't know that Yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is originally when they would, were training, you know, sending, um, animals across country out after already slaughtered. So what happened is that you, you got less and less of the organs going across the countries to people because they couldn't refrigerate it properly. And then you skip ahead to like World War II. Um, and before World War II, there was already a loss in favor of organ meats because, um, People were sort of viewing organ, like organs, as is, is poor person's food. Basically, it was a class, classes kind of thing. And so, what happened during World War II is that there, oh. there was a concern of uh, basically a protein shortage. Um, and so they, because they were sending so much of the meat abroad to the soldiers, they were worried that they were going to run out. In the U.S., and so they started. The actual government did a campaign around organ meats. They, that's also where meatless Mondays started. Like a lot of people think that that's a more modern thing. It actually started around World War II. So they were they were literally national programs that were trying to instill like, hey, don't eat as much meat, and then think about organ meats as one of your fillers, you know. And and so that actually brought it back into favor. And then the soldiers came back, and now. While they were gone, you had the other person in the household started working. So, and then when the soldiers came back, you had now two people working because the one who started working didn't want to stop. So they, you had a higher income coming into the household. And then once again, it, it dipped back so into that class.
0: it became a class, class
1: issue again. Yeah, it became a class yeah. issue of like, oh, well, we can afford the roast beef. Why would we buy beef tongue or liver or whatever? Right. Right. So, and then, you know, it's then it becomes a commerce thing, right? So if, if less people are purchasing it, the these markets are not going to store it. They're not going to keep it because it's not selling. Right. And then when it's not in front of you, you don't think about it. You don't buy it. And then now you right. lose the culinary knowledge of how to cook it and how to use it. Yeah. And so I think so it's it just, tastes you know, even
0: worse, right? Because you don't know how to cook it. So even if you try it, you don't know because grandma never told you how to cook it. gross because
1: you don't know how to cook it properly. Like right. most people overcook it. Like yeah. liver, one of the reasons why liver tastes so gross to people is because they're overcooking it. Hmm. Um, and it, it changes the texture and it, it enhances, it makes the flavor stronger. It, uh-huh. but, but to your point, there are more and more farmers to, I'm talking to that are telling me like they are selling out of their organs, particularly liver and heart. Um, but I kind of am trying to come at a different perspective because I think something that's really important for my messaging is that I'm trying to support people needing whole animal. Uh, I'm not just trying to push liver. For example, I, you know, as I mentioned, Pluck has five organs. If I could put more organs in, I, when I can, I will like my, my goal, I like, I would love to get brain available to people. Like I want to make as much of that animal available because I truly believe that we are at a deficit nutritionally because we're not eating the whole animal. We waste you know,, uh, about forty percent of that animal is getting wasted, basically. It's between thirty and forty percent. And I say yeah, waste. I know not-
0: because we're we're pig farmers and we know the weight of our animal before he's butchered. And we know what comes back from the butcher. And we know you're, it's it's a lot that you are losing for sure. You lose. You and said that's brain. Money that that interests me. I don't know if pigs are different than other animals, but their brain is really <laughs> tiny. So I'd imagine that would be really hard to incorporate an organ that I'd assume is pretty small for most animals. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah.
1: Now, cow brain and sheep brain are the ones I'm more familiar with in terms of people eating. But, you know, if you go around the world, I mean, they, like, Growing up, you know, there was the Indiana Jones movie and the second one, the Temple Doom in it, they show a dinner with people eating monkey brains. And I thought it was a theatrical thing. I'm like, I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like no one would do that. But now, of course, you learn like, no, actually, that's a Mm delicacy, you know,
0: in the world. Like this
1: is how people eat everywhere else. And I will
0: admit, I keep the brains for the dogs. I don't eat them. Maybe I need to figure out how to cook them and try them. But the dogs love them.
1: <laughs> I bet they do. See, an- the animals know. I mean, like, yeah, people, yeah. we have a we have a product that just has the organ meats called Pure. It doesn't have salt or or spice okay. herbs. And people will use it for themselves, but they'll also put in their animal food. And the animals mm-hmm. go crazy for it. Yeah. So, you know, I just learned, this is interesting. I just learned this year, there is uh, killer whales will hunt sharks. And precisionly only take the shark liver. So huh. they won't eat the rest of the shark. They will only hunt the shark for its liver because huh. their preferred food is like seal. Um, so they look for other and you know other mammals to eat. But huh. the shark they specifically eat for its liver. And I think that that's fascinating because in the wild, animals know this is some of the first foods they eat if there's a kill is they will eat the organs.
0: And I think we too crave, maybe more so when we're pregnant, we're aware of it as women, but we crave the food that our body needs. I think we often ignore it and our taste buds have gotten confused, like I said, by all this processed food. But if we figure out how to pay attention to it and understand it, our body does tell us what we need for sure.
1: Absolutely. There is a really cool study uh, done. It was, I want to say it was like I want to say it was like in the 30s, but it was basically. a am I'm, I'm looking for the details of it because I sometimes forget the actual details. But uh, but basically, it was a study where uh, this they they took all these kids, and it was kind of an orphanage setting. Even though they weren't orphans, it was like they they can. It was around the 30s when they did this, and they were able to convince the parents to let let them study their kids in this in this environment. And they basically were testing. What will kid kids gravitate towards if if you, if that's what you leave out? So they, they put out all this different food for the kids to eat. They had fruits, vegetables. They had all parts of the animal, including bone marrow, brain, uh, hmm. liver, all these different things. And they did this for a while. So it's probably a study you couldn't do nowadays. It's probably unethical yeah. in, in certain regards. But they did this for a while. And what they found was that, you know, that idea that all parents face is like, well, do kids just eat sugar because it's sugar and because it's there? Or if you put, if you had healthy food out, would they gravitate towards that as well? And they found that the kids did gravitate towards the foods that their bodies needed. Um, Hmm. And the two foods that the kids most gravitated towards were, were bone marrow and brain. So right there that tells you that their body, because obviously they wouldn't gravitate towards that just, just because it's attractive their 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 bodies know what it, they need, and and that for sounds A-
0: so weird to me though. Like, do you know how no. they were putting the brain out there? Like, were well, they, they making? Pre- yeah, how they're, they're, did they make it they're not just
1: they're not just leaving it out and letting the kids you know fend for themselves. They would right. prepare it, you know. So they probably were. I mean, I don't fully know, but I, I, I'm assuming they did what most people do even these days is you scramble it with eggs, for example, or okay, maybe okay. like I know people that have even made pudding with it, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure how they prepared it, but they did. Mm-hmm. It was prepared. Okay. And you give me a great
0: that, idea. I need to take some of the dog food out of my freezer and try and scramble it in my eggs. I love that.
1: Well, <laughs> the brain. I, but I and I think that that's really what we're talking about is that there is this so we're wasting these animals, the, the the most nutritious parts of these animals. Yeah. And then we're turning around and we're spending, you know, trillions of dollars on supplements every year. You know, like yeah. literally the, the supplement industry is humongous. And, and so we're turning around and looking to supplement the things that we could be getting from these animals. So for my money, it's not only more economical, it's more efficient and it's more environmental if you eat the whole animal. And so what I try to point out to people is that, you know, because you do hear, to your point, you do hear a lot of people now doing liver, for example. But I'm like, okay, well, hold on a second. If we were a tribe of, let's just say, 20 people, and we brought down an animal, first of all, that would take a lot of effort for us to get that animal down. So we're clearly not going to waste any of that animal. For sure. But how many livers does that animal have? It has one. How many hearts? One. So we're a tribe of 20 how are we dividing that? Like there's going to be some people not getting liver. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the liver is probably going go to go the people that are pregnant, maybe the people that are uh, elderly who need it. Yeah, um, It's it's going to be distributed, but we're not all going to get it. So we can't pretend that liver is the one thing we all need because the spleen, for example, has even more iron than the liver does. Hmm. So clearly, if as long as we eat the whole animal, we're going to get the nutrients we need.
0: Right, would you say that 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 there are some organs that are like the healthiest if you could only have one or two?
1: Well, I I would I think people have doubled down on liver, but that's my point is that I don't think we're designed to just eat the one. Just like I don't think we're designed to just eat muscle meat, I don't think we're designed just to eat liver. There's an idea of like supports like, and this is an ancestral concept. the The idea is that you're the organ or the part of the animal you're eating is going to support that part in you. So isn't it interesting? Now, of course, this is just, you know, this is just uh, con- you know me, me kind of hypothesizing, but sure. it is interesting that we have very high dementia and Alzheimer's now. And I know that that's tied to environment, to the toxins in our foods, things like that. I understand that. But I wonder if we were eating brain, if that would help to offset some of the harm that's happening. Hmm. You just have to wonder, but there are certain things that we're seeing. We see we're heart issues, we don't eat heart. We're seeing brain issues, we don't eat brain. We're seeing these issues pop up in people more and more and more. And I just have to wonder if we increased those foods, if we would see some kind of increase or support around those ailments. Because, for example, like heart, heart is. Beef heart, really, any, most animal hearts—they're going to be high in CoQ10, which is also cardiovascular support for us humans. You know, there, they, there is, there is a when I say like sports, like you can compare, like the the vitamins and minerals in the liver, in the spleen, in the in the heart, they are, they are very high. Let's say, and for the liver, in vitamin A, for example. So if you're having any liver issues, that's going to support your liver. If you're having any heart issues, mm. that's going to support your cardiovascular support. You know, so mm. so that's how I kind of like to look at things. So I'm not saying you all we all have to go out and, you know, kill a deer and start eating its heart raw or something like that. You know, I'm not trying to suggest <laughs> that we have to all go primal. But what I am suggesting is that if there's a way for you to get more parts of that animal in your diet, I would, you know, for my money, that's what I would try to do. And then there's lots of ways you can do it. I mean, you know, obviously pluck, pluck is the easiest way in my judgment. Uh, and I would designed it that way, but it's not the only way. Um, you could, for example, there's lots of ground meats out there nowadays that have a percentage of the organs already pre-ground in them.
0: I actually can, have never seen that. You mean like at a store you can buy this?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's usually in the oh. freezer section. Hmm, uh, okay. there's lots of companies that do it. White Oak Pastures does it. They're not used they're, they're a direct consumer, I think. But uh, but for example, uh, Force of Nature is one that you'll see in, in grocery stores. Um, hmm. and there's some other brands as well. But they, it's probably actually used...
0: saving them money. They can probably charge more for the product, and it's probably maybe saving them money in the long
1: run. But oh, that's totally. something we can do
0: ourselves too. We can totally, absolutely totally. And, and I've never yeah. even thought of that, James. But we absolutely
1: could... and it's really here's how you do it: it's just a percentage. It's you you think of it as a ratio. So for you for example, if you're grinding any any of your pigs, you would just keep it to around a like force Nature does a 10%. Um I I found you really if you can safely go up to about 20%, 15-20 max, and then it starts to the flavor and the texture starts to change. Okay. But you can add a little of the pig heart, uh, some of the liver, the kidney, just a little bit, you know. So if you have a pound of meat, you're you're doing about you know, a couple tablespoons. You know, a fourth of a cup, kind of thing, okay. or even an now eighth they're of a, a cup lot less. First. And
0: organs are a lot less fatty, right? So you're going to. That's another reason you want to keep it to a smaller amount. I'm guessing because your your meat's just not going to be as juicy and. Fatty, well, mostly
1: right? it's texture and flavor because you know the organs are different. They're not muscle. I mean, except for the heart and tongue are the closest to a muscle, but the other ones are are not. Uh, it's not the same texture at all. Um, okay. Like most liver will disintegrate you know it will start to get um uh I don't know what it, it's not liquid but it just it just gets really ge like jelloy okay. or kind yeah. of spongy or something like that after uh if it's left out um in room temperature so the texture is so different and if you if you go too high of a percentage it just it's gonna because the whole so the the key is that we when we're getting these into our diets we're, we're the way I look at it as a chef is I want to meet people where they're at. I'm not trying to, you know, re- reinvent the wheel here for people because the truth is, is food is, 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 uh, emotional for people. It's, there's a psychology to it. So if yes. I push you too far with your diet, you're going to fail. You're just going to give up. You'll get frustrated. You'll binge eat. You'll do something emotional Absolutely. around your food. So what I like to do is I, I, when I work with a client, I like to first find out how did they eat when they were a kid? What are the textures they gravitate towards? And then I take the foods that I'm trying to get them to eat and I make, I help, I make sure Mm. that those foods meet where they're currently eating. So that texture, if it's a creamy texture, I'll take cauliflower and I'll add a lot of butter and I'll make it into like a, 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 you know, a mashed potato or something like that. You know, it will have the texture of mashed potatoes, but it's a cauliflower, for example. Yeah. And with organ meats, it's the same thing. I would always keep the ratio of them. If they're used to muscle meat, I would keep that ratio higher of muscle meat and then less of the organ meats. And then I would, over time, as their palate changes and adjusts, I would then increase it. So I might yeah. start out at only like 7%, but then I'll go to 10 and then I'll get to 15 and then I'll eventually I'll stay around that you know, 15, right. 20. And that's just yeah. when you're doing ground meats. But the other thing you can do and this is even easier than grinding your own meats is you take that that li- that organ let's say the liver and you keep it in your freezer cuz the reality is is that we're most overwhelmed when it's defrosted when it's frozen it's not that overwhelming it's not bloody That's, it's not it's just a it's just a brick right it's just solid sure. ice icy brick when it's frozen yeah. right so what i recommend people do is they take that or the liver and then they just grate it as it's frozen and just grate it using a box grater hmm. And just grate some of it, and then put the the grating, the grated liver in your ground meat, and mix it in really well, and then put it back in the freezer. I love it. That's that's really the trick is that just keep it frozen as long and as you can. And you can even cut then...
0: it into smaller, you know, portions so it's yep. just a little thing you hold and grate. I love it.
1: Totally. Hmm. And you can even when you first when you first get the organ, you can cut it into little chunks that. And and they could be right. really like you could go the size of a pill, so you can do like liver, liver like um, liver. Right. We call them liver pills or yeah, or liver shots. You could also make them a little chunkier and then throw them into your smoothies or something. But the key is you just you just don't do too much, you know. Keep yeah. it keep it at a manageable weight, um, or you can keep them a little bit bigger and you can use the grading method. the The other yeah. trick is to um, the other trick is is species. So some species have a stronger flavor. And I always recommend if you're starting out, start with poultry. Like chicken hearts, for example, they're so mild. Some people even think they taste sweet. So, I didn't know that. Oh, they're Do so- you,
0: Can you give me the graded levels? Like, okay, so chicken's the least gamey tasting. I would say,
1: yep, chicken is the least, With well, the heart. Specifically, the chi- I would start the with chicken hearts. Okay. And they're small- they're not strong tasting. And you can actually even, let's say if you're making a spaghetti sauce, you can chop them up just like you would a mushroom and then throw a couple, you know, you're not doing like, don't do all heart, right? So you're still putting in the meat that you normally use, but then treat the hearts just like you would a mushroom. If you if I was throwing mushrooms into mm. spaghetti sauce, I might what, throw two mushrooms in maybe? And i chop those up yeah. and I'd throw them in. You do the same thing with the heart, just cut up, You know, dice up two or three. Make sure that they don't look like hearts. So dice them up, so almost you know the way you might a mushroom. And what happens is you throw them in there, and no one knows they're in there because they're not the dominant flavor. The spaghetti sauce already has a flavor, and if anything, people get little bites and they think it's mushroom because they're so mild. They take on whatever flavor the sauce is. So you absolutely, like that's the entry. Like if you were wanting to do it, your yourself. That is absolutely a great entry point.
0: Hmm. I love it. What would would you say is another animal that is not as like the gamey or deep flavor of?
1: Well, I think I think after the chicken hearts, I would say that you want to stick with uh, the the next stage would be to stick with um, the organs that are closest to muscle meat. So, like I mentioned earlier, the heart and the tongue. So, tongue is one that people used to eat a lot of and. In you know, in Mexico and Mexican culture, tongue is a is a staple. It's lengua, hmm. and um, if you go to authentic Mexican restaurant, you'll see it on the on the menu. Absolutely, but okay. it's really it's a kind of an amazing um, part of the animal because it's cheaper mm-hmm. than the muscle meat. So if you're looking to you know save save money, you can get same quality of cow. Let's say 100 percent grass or cow. The ribeye is twenty. Four ninety nine. The tongue will be six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, not just a little cheaper, a lot cheaper.
0: Yeah, because nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it, and so then, what's awesome about it is it's cheaper. It actually has more flavor, and it has more nutrition than the muscle meat. And it's so easy to cook. People don't realize how easy to cook is. We actually have a great recipe. If you, if anyone wants to go, it's, you go to eatpluck.com check our recipes, just type in tongue and you'll see we have a, I think we have a couple, but really great. But you can, if anyone makes, uh, you know, carnitas, if you ever, if you're ever braising meat, all you do is braise the tongue the same way is you could stick it in uh, a little bit of liquid. Um, you could add some different vegetables for flavor or aromatics and you just let it cook for like an hour, hour and a half. And then what happens is that that sheath on the outside, that kind of like skin yeah. that's really thick yeah. and and almost sandpapery. It just peels right off. And then underneath right. is this delicate um, muscle. And it's, Wow. And so you it, cook you know, it
0: with the outer skin on it and yeah. it comes off after it's been and
1: cooked. And then it comes huh. right off. And then you pull, pull out the, the muscle, the tongue muscle, and you can um, chop it up. You can even string it like carnitas. Uh, you can um, stick it under the broil. Like sometimes what I do is I put some salt on it and I stick it under the broiler and I crisp it up. Like you can, you can really like, I, we add it to our, if we're making like, yeah, carnitas is, is the one we sometimes do. If we're making any kind of pork butt or something, I'll add that a beef tongue and I'll cook oh, them together. So you'll
0: just put it right in there with the pulled pork.
1: Yeah. Wow. I'll chop them. I'll, after I pull off that sheath and I cook it, you know, like I cut it up, I'll just add it to the pulled pork and no one even knows. And then once again, it's ratios. It's all about ratios. Make sure that the carne, the pulled pork is a higher ratio than the tongue, which it should be. I mean, because if you're using, like, say, pork shoulder or pork butt, it's yeah. a lot bigger than a tongue. the tongue. Tongue's
0: it's, not very big. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's going to be a lot bigger. But it's just a really great way to start incorporating organ meats into your diet effortless. Well, there's a little bit of effort, but it's not as much as people think. But really, when, when we're talking about introducing anything to your diet, what we're ultimately talking about is your palate. That's really all it is. And anyone growing up on Skippy like me, like Skippy (laughs) peanut butter. Yeah. Right. You probably grew up on that too. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so fruit loops and Lucky
0: Charms too. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
1: And you probably grew up also like with the juices and the sodas and all that stuff. And so you remember there was a period where when you drank water, it tasted gross. It was like plain same with peanut butter. There was a point where you tried natural peanut butter that didn't have the sugar and the hydro- mm-hmm. hydrogenated oil that Skippy did, and it tasted gross. Like, yeah. you're like, what is this? Right? That's just your palate. Your palate's so, like here in the US, we're so, our palates are so conditioned towards sweet and salty. That's really because all our foods are sweet and salty. Yeah. So, the way to change your palate is to introduce the other three flavors. So, you have uh, you have sour, you have bitter, and you have umami. And as mm-hmm. long as you start incorporating foods that have those flavor profiles, the dominant flavor profiles, your palate will start to change. You can also remove, let's say, sugar and anything sweet from your diet for even just a couple of weeks and your palate will start to change. And then when you go to eat something, let's say like a dessert or even a glass of wine, it will, you'll, you'll taste how sweet it really is and and you won't be able to do it at first and you'll only be able to do it again once you keep doing it, The, the habit of, you know, the continuation of eating too much of the sweet stuff. Um, you see it happen too. Like, look at like when we eat chips, for example. Um, when we, when we eat those chips, these, these, you know, highly processed foods, we probably taste what the first three chips is where we actually taste it. The fl- mm-hmm. we get the flavor but it's such an intense amount of flavor and they've designed them like this where they bl- it blows out your taste buds and thereafter you can't actually taste the chip anymore all you're doing is getting this sensation of the crunch which is also an addictive piece to it and and then of course there's the other piece which is there's no actual nutrition in it and so because there's so our bodies naturally associate ancestrally associate flavor with nutrition. So in, in the wild, when something is flavorful, it usually means it also has nutrition. So we, that's how we're wired. So when we're eating these ultra processed foods that have these artificial or natural flavors added to them, but they don't have the nutrition, our bodies are literally confused. So we're eating the chips or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, I don't taste anymore, but I'm getting addicted to the crunch and my body just, I can't stop because my body's just waiting for the nutritional right. you know load to tell it to stop and it never right. comes. Right. And so suddenly you've eaten the whole bag,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, hmm. okay. So I have a couple questions about organ meat that I really am eager to hear your answer. What about does it sometimes carry toxins? Does the organ yeah, store the toxins of the animal?
1: That is uh, that's kind of a um, that is a myth that a lot of people think. so so does it carry toxins with sick? animals probably yes but that's true of us as well right one of the mm-hmm. issues when someone is very obese and they lose weight too quickly is they can get they can actually get toxic overload because the the fat is usually where toxins are held and so when we eat an animal that's unhealthy and where and it's very fatty that's really where we're getting the toxins so the 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 liver or the kidneys they, those are not places where our bodies naturally store the toxins. Because if you think about it, when people are, they're, they're almost thinking that the, when they believe that myth, they're actually thinking that the organ is more like a sponge than a filter. Like they're thinking like, oh, well, as things go through, the 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 organ is getting over inundated with toxins and it doesn't know what to do. But the actual job of the liver is to convert potentially toxin byproducts into more water soluble forms so that it will leave your body. That's the actual job of it. So if it stored it, then it wouldn't be able to do its job. Hmm. So that, so it's it's really what you want to think of it as like, no, that it is not storing it, but it's just, it's helping to change that, those, those toxins into water soluble forms. And then the key is, okay, now does the animal or you who's eating that animal have the elimination pathways that are open like are you pooping regularly are you peeing regularly do you sweat you know these are the ways that toxins leave our bodies like anyone that's ever done a detox a really intense detox they can smell their arm and they'll smell heavy metals in their arm Mm -hmm. as they're doing that detox that's because the toxins are leaving your sweat glands from your sweat glands so the key is i would say one is you approach it is like okay don't overdo organ meats like like Don't, don't eat liver every day, for example, Mm -hmm. like if, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're eating just the raw, raw liver or just cooking liver and you're eating like, you know, treating it like a steak, I don't, I don't think you're going to need that much. Like, I think, I think, you know, two ounces a day or less is great. I mean, that's what I love about pluck actually is you just put it on your food as you do a seasoning, and we've, we've made it so that you, you won't be pushed into an overload or getting too much of something. But even more importantly, and this connects to the earlier top topic about us, how i am we were talking about how disconnected we are to food. Well, mm-hmm. one of the ways to get reconnected to our own innate knowledge of what our body needs is to eat your food, not to swallow it, right? So not to swallow pills all the time, but to actually mm. eat the food. Yeah. And the process of eating, if you think about our biological process, it starts with the eyes, you see it. Is this look attractive to you? Does the color pop? Does this, is the, you know, and it makes you want to bring it closer. And as you bring it closer, you smell it. Yeah. So you're using your senses. That smell now is going to start to initiate your desire to eat it. And then you bite into it. And now your, your saliva is in, is starting, but there's the whole time that from the look to the smell, to the, the, the putting in your mouth, the taste, there is a communication that's happening. And it's te- your body is starting to to basically communicate, do I want this? Do I need this? And how much of it should I eat? That's basically what's happening. Mm-hmm. And we see this play out when we put salt on our tongue. So when you put salt in your tongue, you, you the first dip might be like, oh, this tastes good. The second one might be, okay, that yeah, that was okay. I guarantee you won't go to a third. Like third one, your body's gonna be like, nope, I'm good. Too much, mm-hmm. too much overstimulated. And it will start, the salt will actually start to taste bad. Hmm. So the same thing can happen with organ meats. If, if you start to eat organ meats and they are tasting good and to your point, like your body's craving it, then go for it. But it, as long as you're eating it and not swallowing capsules, your body will start to communicate, okay, I'm good. And it will the, the organ meat will start to taste different. Yeah. So that's really the key is just following your own body's barometer because we're all we all have different needs. That's what I hate about, you know, when I see encapsulated organs or any encapsulated product, they're like, Oh, take six. It's like, how do they know you need six? How do they know I need six? Like, how do they know?
0: Yeah. And your body isn't body... able to go through all those steps to figure out if it thinks you've had the right amount either. Cause you're just yeah, throwing And, the and pills I
1: talk in. to so yeah. many people who do to, do the encapsulated organ meats, and they're like, Oh yeah, I tried and it, I got so nauseous. I'm like, Yeah. Because you probably didn't eat six. Like, yeah. like, maybe start with one or two and see how you feel. But even then, you're still not going to get that communication, that biological communication, unless you open the capsule up and eat it, which is basically when you eat Pluck, that's, you know, what we're doing is you're eat, we're yeah. getting you to eat what's in the capsule, but we're getting you to eat it in a delicious way. Yeah. The the other thing um, is is, as I mentioned, is that toxins are stored in the fat. So you know, lean meats, um, making sure that, like, I'm definitely not one of those people that believes that, like, I do believe in grass, 100% grass. I do believe that's healthier for you, regenerative farming. I do believe those are healthier products, but I'm also not going to get on the bandwagon and shame people who are eating conventional meat. The, I truly believe that is, it's more important to get the nutrients from these real foods than to, you know, over- like to worry, over-worry or oh, kind of nit, nitpick on the sourcing. I do believe sourcing is important, but if you cannot afford the 100% grass-fed, then just get what you can afford and yeah. eat that because the protein in that muscle meat, the nutrients in those organs, they are going to sustain your, your, your body. They're going to help you be healthier no matter what the sourcing is. Yeah. I would just choose leaner meats. Like I would, if let's say you're eating ribeye from a conventional cow, I would not eat as much of the fat because that is where the toxins are stored.
0: But I would argue, again, the source does matter there because we actually did a whole episode all about healthy fats and lard and tallow and how they're so good for us and how that works in our body. Um, I would argue if your animal is sourced from a place like it's a pasture raised pig, like here on our farm, it's getting rid of those toxins in all those natural ways that we talked about. It's a healthy animal. So I, I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think that the pasture raised pig in the good environment is storing those toxins, even in its fat.
1: Oh, no, I agree. No, no. uh, Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you can get pastured pork, if you can get, you know, these, uh, pastured chickens, if you can get hundred percent grass fed, you know, lamb or, or beef, that is the way to go. Uh, not only is it going to be better for the environment, it's going to be better for your health. But I, I, but I get what you're of, saying
0: too, hundred percent. If a lot of people don't have access to that, and they it's, just don't it's have much access. More and, and, and
1: and and you yeah. know, as we talked about, like if you're getting a hundred percent grass fed ribeye, for example, it is expensive. Yes. You 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 will you know you have to be. I, I just hate this idea of you have to be wealthy to be healthy. I just yeah. I, I hate the concept. I hate that that a lot of influencers are pushing that message. whether mm. they they're not saying that, but they are pushing that message that by by telling people and shaming people that you have to eat this way to be healthy, they're basically telling people you have to be wealthy to be healthy. And yeah, and so I, I really try to advocate more like, look, do what you can, but I but definitely I would I would rather you eat whole animal. And if you can afford it to put your money towards the animal and, and, and then spend less on the other things, like maybe buy, you know, vegetables that are not organic or something like, 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 you know, make compromises elsewhere. Like maybe yeah. don't have five phones. Maybe I only have four cell phones. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like make compromises somewhere else and put the money towards really quality animal products. That would be my advice. But the other piece is like, okay, if that doesn't work for you, then yeah, there's other options. Look for, look for animal shares, try to purchase more of the animal up upfront. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that's going to be cheaper for you. Um, split it with four or six families, you know, whatever yep. works for exactly. you. Exactly. And that's but, what we
0: do on our farm. You, you can buy a half a pig or a whole pig and we have families that then split it from there too. So
1: yeah. And that's yeah, going yeah, to be you your the cheapest option from buying in a grocery store that you're going to save the most. And then if you can't do that, then, you know, get it where you can. I mean, you know, like and I mean, for what it's like, worth,
0: too, I want to say that it's never cheap, the grass-fed or the pasture-raised, even for the person who's raising it for themselves. You know, we keep some pork for ourselves. It's expensive when yeah. you sit down and you add up the cost involved. I would never say it's, I mean, it, we could definitely get meat cheaper, even as pig farmers, if we go to the store and buy it at the grocery store, I'm not going to lie. So it's yeah. really a matter of, like you said, what are your priorities? What are you going to give up? What are you not, we don't go on vacations, you know, and we don't, we don't have the fancy house and the fancy phones. So it's really where a matter of where you want to invest.
1: And it's a, it's a rigged system as well. I mean, like a lot of the conventional meat is subsidized through the feed, you know, cause, cause soy corn and, um, and some other some other grains are subsidized by the US so we we have this false idea of what they what they cost you know so a lot of people sure. you know like i remember back in the day mcdonald's hamburgers were cheaper than the french fries which in no world is a is meat cheaper than a potato but of course they're you know they're they're getting their meat at a cheaper price and they can do that. And then of course they're marking up the potato because they know that that's an add on and they can make their money there. So they're, they're doing that. But the reality is we, we were, we have been taught to think that certain conventional animals are, you know, that you can get this discounted price for them, but you're absolutely right. And you can talk to any farmer and this is true that properly raising animals is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you cannot escape it. Like Particularly chickens, like people I, I always I oh, get I so frustrated when I see eggs that say vegetarian fed. It's like there is no world where a chicken would choose to be vegetarian. <laughs> never. They would never choose to be never. vegetarian. No. They, they, that is not there is not a chicken out there that would choose that they eat a lot of protein. They cost a lot to feed.
0: I just fed so, our chickens ham this morning, and you would think I was giving them the best treat in the world,
1: <laughs> yeah, they love yeah. protein, right? And so they, 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 and they'll gobble up a lot of it. And if you, if, and if you let them live as long as they properly could, you know, cause our current system of chickens, they get, um, slaughtered at, I think seven weeks when most chickens, you would want them to get a little older to even get more nutrition out of them, but also more flavor. And, um, but to do that, to even let them grow to 10 weeks, it's like, that's three weeks of f- feed and it's expensive feed. So yeah, it's expensive. I I, I think yeah. most of us were, you know, it's sad. We're disconnected from our food sources, but we're also disconnected from the true cost of food.
0: It's very true. I know. So true. Okay. So another hard question for you about organs. My last one, I've heard it can be inflammatory. Is that true?
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I mean- I guess I would pose the question, well, what foods aren't inflammatory? Because inflammatory mm-hmm. really can be um, inflammatory can be your response to the food, right? It's your body's response to the food. It's not necessary that the food itself is inflammatory. It's how your body is responding to it. So organs, I mean, I honestly, I have not I, I did a little research, and there was I think that is based on one study where they said that they, they can be inflammatory, but it's not clear that that study is actually fully fleshed out or accurate, if you know what I mean? Because no. a lot of studies okay. are very, they very tunnel vision of things. They're not necessarily based in reality.
0: And depending and on who can make money about. by telling people about this study, it could take off and it could become an actual theory then. Okay.
1: To- well, totally. I mean, look at, I mean, look at uh, the eighties and nineties, we were, we were told that, um, you know, you could have sugary sodas and just exercise it off like that. It was OK. And only recently, within the last five or eight years, did we find out that every one of those studies was co-opted by Coca-Cola or some soda <laughs> industry to promote to this misinformation out there. So yeah. I absolutely am one of those people that I question most studies. Um, yeah. And that's across the board. Um, unless they've been truly peer, peer reviewed and, 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 and tried and tribulation, you know, really have been worked through. But for the most part, a lot of times when we're talking about inflammation, we're looking at ingredients. And, and so uh, a lot of times when they're doing studies on, you know, diets and meats and things like that, it's a lot of it is processed meats. And then yeah. they're say there, and then they take that response to those meats and they say, well, this is causing inflammation. It's this, this meat-heavy diet is causing inflammation. It's like no, no, no. It's processed meat-heavy diet, right? Mm. So there's there's no act. There there. A lot of times, the quality of the food is not actually studied. It's more of this a generic concept of the food. Mm. But I I mean, I think that any food there can be an argument for or against literally any food. Like like from broccoli to animal meat to uh, oils and fats. You could literally. To have a pro and con for all of them. I think what's most important is that people, like we talked about earlier, that they they make sure that they're eating, first of all, food that is an ingredient versus has ingredients. That they're making sure that they're making as much of this food from scratch because if you're eating out there, it's impossible to be healthy because any source that you're purchasing from outside your home is a business and they're going to try to make a profit and food has very low margins, and so where they try to make profits is by by using cheaper ingredients. Yeah. And so you'll see these kind of like cheap uh, oils used. You'll see these shelf stable uh, ingredients used, starches, and just just in general, these kind of these these ingredients that are not going to be optimal for our health used in yep. a lot of these processed foods. So you control the ingredients when you eat at home. So that's one thing. And the other is is uh start small, you know, it's like you're introducing a new food, treat it like you would if you were if you had a pet, you know, you you never introduce a new food to a pet at a high ratio. You always right. start with a very low ratio of the new food and a higher ratio of the old food. Yeah. So, see how see how it feels eating the organs. I everyone I talk to reports like what's fascinating is and you already caps, encapsulated this, but when kids for example try pluck the feedback we get is they literally go crazy for it like i I've been reported that when the the families run out of pluck, the kid starts crying and and, and having like a tantrum mm-hmm. and i don't i i I don't think it's just because it tastes good. I think it's because their body is telling them you need and want this mm-hmm. and I think it's it's literally their bodies are crying out for these nutrient dense foods, and when they're when they get a taste of it, they want more of it yeah. so I am a big proponent of like just listen to your body if if you eat something if you eat liver and and you feel and you know bloated or inflamed afterwards then then yeah then then there's something else going on. I wouldn't my personal experience with health and nutrition is that I wouldn't necessarily land on liver and be like, "Oh, well then the liver is causing me inflammation." I would more go like, "Hey, there's something going on in my body where the liver is triggering that." So then I would yeah. do a deeper dive is like what's going on in my body? I would work with a practitioner. I would get tested. You know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of whenever any health ailment is going on, except for let's say like a broken leg. But even then you still want to look at food, but just not initially. If it's a broken right. leg, you want to go get it mended, right? But the but most anything else, I always look at food. And and if if something is off or if I feel bloated from something, then that's telling me to not do that again and start getting tested to find out what's going on. Even like, for example, high cholesterol. People think, oh, well, I should probably cut back on my meat because I have high cholesterol. It's like, well, not necessarily, because cholesterol is actually the body's way of protecting itself. So if you have a high cholesterol, that means that something's going on in your body that's causing the inflammation. Yeah. Where, so that the body needs to protect itself. So that's really all I would say is like, okay, if you have high cholesterol, don't just start removing foods, go get tested, go work with a practitioner who can support your health with nutrition and see what is, why is your body needing to have higher cholesterol to cope?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. You had mentioned that we can find some recipes at eatpluck.com, correct?
1: Yes. Really great recipes too. I mean, I, I I, yes, I'm a chef, and some of mine are on there. But I've just—it's been amazing in our three years of existence. We've attracted and we're able to bring in a lot of different chefs with beautiful um, flavor profiles. So we have some amazing recipes on there. There's there's one from uh, the cookbook um, "It Takes Guts," which is an awful cookbook—an offal. That's for organ meats. Um, It's by Ashley Van Houten um, and. It's yes. a really great cookbook for people that want to get more organ meats in their diet, but she, we have one of her recipes on our site for, um, uh, uh, that one is for, uh, beef or it's for heart jerky. It's really good too.
0: I'm sure Ashley has some amazing recipes. I'm going to link her cookbook in the show notes for this. I also have a book I've recently discovered called odd bits. I think is what it is. I don't remember the author's name. Um, that one's pretty that intriguing one. too. I'm going to link that in the show notes and would you be able to share with me a link to the study you mentioned earlier in our talk about the kids who were gravitating towards Yeah, the good I'll email food?
1: you. Um I'll email okay. you the uh, the information awesome. on that.
0: I'll link but yeah, that in it's the a show fascinating notes. One. And I will definitely link to eatpluck.com and people can definitely go check out your amazing seasoning. I have thoroughly been enjoying it. But before we go James, I promised. I wanted to find out more about this whole being a private chef to the celebrities. <laughs> tell me, tell me something. How does one get a job like that?
1: Yeah, that was, um, it was really amazing. Uh, so I went to a culinary school in New York. I I, I got into the culinary, I always loved cooking as a kid, but I didn't see it as a career. Um, I didn't even know. I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, there was really only two two shows on TV and one of them most of the time was Julia Child's the other was The Frugal Gourmet and these were all on PB, you know like public yeah. broadcast channels so there was no kind of uh, culture to being a chef like there is now so the real only avenues you could really go down was to own a restaurant really at least that's the one I was aware of and I just didn't want to do that and I was like ah oh, that just seems like a lot of time away from your family and night, night work so I never saw it as an option. And then um, at one point I shifted gears and it was around my 30s. So when I did decide to go to culinary school, I knew I wanted to be a private chef. Like, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to help individuals with their health and then eventually maybe grow from there and helping more people than that. Um, okay, so I chose Tom this...
0: Cruise, I mean, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> and Gerard so Butler, how did you get that, to that? That
1: was the school. So I chose a school that just happened to be Wow. It doesn't exist anymore. So I can't even really tell people to go do this. But um, uh, I, I went to a school in New York that was known for healthy chefs. Uh, they really, we studied a lot of different nutritional background around foods. Like we even studied like Weston A. Price. We studied a lot of um, I call it like the fusing of nutrition to the food. Now I know food has nutrition. Sounds like but a this great school. school. It was really great, <laughs> it, but it taught you to like, for example, soak your grains. It talked about how you could mm. bring the, the, the nutrition and min, the, the vitamins and minerals out of the food more by how you prepared it.
0: That's awesome. And, I really thought chefs were really concerned about taste, but I really didn't know chefs had a big concern about nutrition.
1: The, I don't think they normally do. I historically, I don't think they do. I think this school was teaching huh, that.
0: That's awesome. And so
1: a lot of the, uh, household managers knew that for this school. And so they would call the school looking for chefs and I had taken it very seriously and I showed up for every day. I got perfect attendance, for example. And I I was just kind of known in my school for being a very dependable person and, and, and very high executor. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so when, you know, and I lived in LA and so when I would, when they would call, get a call for someone in LA, they would refer me and, um, I quickly built uh, an incredible resume. As you mentioned, Tom Cruise, I cooked for Mariska Hargitay. If people know her from TV, she's been on one of the longest running cop shows around. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I also then once you're in this system, you start to know the assistants. And then as assistants go to different places or they talk you get referred. And so okay. yeah, word of mouth and whatnot. And I then got to cook for George Clooney and Stacey Keebler when I was with her. And, uh,
0: okay. So does George Clooney just say, okay, I need a chef. I want a really good dinner tonight. And you just go make it for him or like, does well, he have it, a big party?
1: Yeah. No, sometimes you had to cook for parties. Uh, I was really more like the household chef for people. Oh um, wow! yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would be cooking, you know, for the, the, the main principles and, uh, a lot of times like when at least tom was one thing because i was in the household a lot and i and i i even traveled with them when he was shooting valkyrie and and i got to cook there yeah it's funny you know it's funny about working with tom cruise everyone always says how tall is he how really how tall is he yeah how to tell us how tall is he (laughs) well what's so funny is i'm like i'm like you know when you're standing in front of tom cruise that's the last thing you're thinking about. (laughs) <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, holy you know, bleep, I'm yeah. standing- And he seems huge no matter how tall he really is, no, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> you're, you're sitting, you're standing talking to Tom Cruise. You're like, uh. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah, literally the first time I met him, I was, um, I, I actually cooked for him for a month before I met him. So I oh, was wow. cooking for his, his uh, business meetings at United Artists and they would come and pick up the food from me and then bring it to the meeting. Okay. And then I got asked to go to- to Germany for that shoot pre-production. And that was when I got to meet him. And it was an amazing moment. Cause I had, I think I had been out of school for a culinary school for about a year at this point. And you know, whenever you go down any new career path there's always kind of this, um, you know, this imposter syndrome, you know, like you just don't feel good at it, you know until you yeah. do finally feel good at it. You know, there's always this, a, a process of kind of getting familiar and, and really understanding the new career. And so I was still at that place of like, ah, am I really that good and doubting myself? Well, I'll tell you right now that it was meeting Tom, well, cooking for him for a month and then meeting him and then how I was introduced to everyone in the room. That made me feel like I had arrived because
0: mm-hmm.
1: not only was it getting praise from him, but then he brought me into the production meeting. And there were, there is, you know, uh, Brian Singer, the director who I, you know, i emulated, I loved his usual suspects movie and there's Chris Macquarie the writer and and I'm seeing the producers and these are all people I I know from the entertainment like I know their names and he introduces me to them he's like oh here's here's the gentleman who's been cooking all your food for the last days and they, everyone stands up including Tom you know he was already standing but they all start clapping for me and just bringing oh, so cool. me on and thanking me and I and that's when I, that was a moment I mean I I got teary you know when it happened and I was like oh this is incredible are these giants of this industry and they're they're praising me for what I just did. So clearly I must know what I'm telling you. Know? So Very cool. <laughs> it was a real beautiful moment.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so fun. James, this has been really great. You have taught me a lot. You've given me so much great insight. I am absolutely going to go start <laughs> grinding up some, some organ meat and see how I can incorporate it. And I love pluck. I recommend everybody go check out pluck.com or is it eatpluck.com? We'll
1: both- it's eatpluck, but the product okay. is pluck. Yeah. Eat pluck. Okay. And you can find us on Amazon as well. We're, we we have an Amazon okay. store, so you can find us there too. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we, it, we have a few different options. There's three that have seasonings. We use Redmond, real salt, and then there's one that's just pure for those people that are pure is really good for those people that are really, they know that they need a certain amount of organs. And so we always say like, okay, a teaspoon is equal to about two ounces. So if you're someone who's like, look, I I've been tested. I yeah. know I'm low in iron, I'm anemic or whatever it is, then get pure and then use about a teaspoon a day and okay. just add it to smoothies, add it to your ground meats. You can add it to anything that has flavor. Um, I even know some people, they sprinkle it just on their eggs. And I'm talking I know you do that with the seasoning one. and right. That's how I do it as well. But that one has mm-hmm. flavor. They do it with pure. They mm. just sprinkle the organ meats right on their eggs, and I love it. So mm. teach their awesome. own. But um, but but yeah, definitely we have we have it. We have all the options. We have ones for easy entry, and then ones that uh, the pure is for people that just they know exactly what they need to get, and they want to just be more mindful of the nutritional value.
0: That's awesome. I love it that you have those options. Very and good. I do hope well, to have
1: brain. I, I really, oh. I, I say that because I'm working on getting access to the brain and I hope yeah. to have a brain product soon too.
0: Hey, so you'll actually have a separate product, you think? Wow. I will.
1: I, 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 I would love to add it to our current blend, but the reality is I know that some people are still scared of brain from the mad cow um,
0: okay. disease
1: and whatnot, even though it's it's, it's not an issue these days. Um, and, and it's also not an, it's not typically an issue with a healthy animal as well. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to, once again, it's kind of like the part of our discussion where it's like, I want to meet people where they're at. And I know that brain might be a bigger hurdle than some of the other organs. So Mm -hmm. I want to make it available for those that are ready to do it, but I don't want to force it on people. Yeah. Great.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, James. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Fun stuff, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with James, and I really hope you'll go over to solelyrested.com slash pluck, P-L-U-C-K, solelyrested.com slash pluck for lots more insights into that amazing seasoning made with organ meat. And that's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't don't miss Friday's episode. Remember, we now have many episodes coming out on Friday. If you have thoughts for me, things you'd like to see in those mini episodes. There are never going to be ads there and they're always going to be really short and sweet. So give me your input. What would you like to see come out on Fridays here on the podcast? Also send me questions you might have. I can simply be answering questions and giving you thoughts on whatever you guys are sending my way. And remember, it is easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy this simple everyday efforts. I know it's not easy, but it's worth it.